It's like close enough to my microphone. <laughs> Starting off great. Well done. <laughs> we did it. Oh, we did it. Okay. Before um, before I hit the magic record button, you were talking about margarita jello. Ruth McCormick, friend of the show, Ruth McCormick. Can you yeah, tell I- me about this margarita jello? So uh, a cool thing that's happening in quarantine is that I found some unflavored Jello in my cabinet. So I've just been making Jello shots. This is my life now. It's fine. It's normal. <laughs> um, so I was like very like Pinteresting and like hollowed out some limes to make the Jello shots inside the limes. <gasps> Shut up! But, oh my God. Well, okay, but that was a huge pain in the ass. So I made like two of those, and now they're gone. So now I just have like a half full Tupperware of Jello. I also didn't bring a utensil into the room I'm recording this in. Uh, so I will just be like slurping this tequila jello. <laughs> mouth sounds. We love it. Yeah. Uh, we so, all do it. That's like for that. Primo it's fine. Mouth, mouth sounds. <laughs> slurping jello. Somebody just went, nope, got, can't. Gotta go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that I'm sorry is, for being this person. No, that's amazing. I, it's no. really good though. So I will make them again someday when we're not quarantined and we can share them. I Please do. I got a whole bunch of limes so that I could make margaritas today. And uh, and then it was really gloomy. So instead, I'm drinking an Oberon, which is also not a gloomy beverage. But what can you do? Oberon, Oberon brings you more joy, though. Than Oberon most does, things. but you know what? A margarita brings me joy too. Although That's true. I. I guess I didn't really, I have to work. We're recording on a Tuesday. Hi, it's Tuesday. Uh, we're recording on a Tuesday, which means I have to work tonight. I have a wow. recap assignment, so I probably shouldn't be margarita drunk. <laughs> Um, it's a very specific kind of drunk. There's really tequila is. drunk, and then there's specifically margarita drunk, which is different from a general tequila. It's like a heightened tequila drunk. Because you get the like the sugar drunk too. It's yeah. Good. Yeah. Plus, sort you feel of. all festive and like you're prepared to make bad choices. Mm-hmm. And there's like your your blood pressure is affected because of the sodium from the salt rim. Not really. It's a perfect drink. There's a lot it to is. this. Goodness. Welcome to Podlander Drunkcast and Outlander Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Ruth. Yeah, you are. And <laughs> that's Janine. Introduce myself there. Hey. Uh, Julie is out this week. So friend of the show, Ruth McCormick, who has been on before, uh, but is probably best known in Drunkcast land uh, for Im- briefly, quickly, spiritedly writing the most perfect limerick in the history of limericks at so Murta's funeral um, is joining us, which is great to talk about journey cake. Although I guess nobody says nobody says it in a Scottish accent, so it's journey cake. The past's answer to journey cake, um, which I'm excited about. You picked a good one to come on, Ruth. I'm excited. I dig I this thoughts. episode. Julie also digs this episode. Julie, and she also shared some thoughts with me, so we'll get to those. Um, Janine, I'm curious, based just on the title and like our general chatter around it, or any chatter you've seen in Slack, what is your impression of this episode? That it's quite festive. That journey sounds like Johnny, so I thought of Johnny Cake immediately, and that this is not last episode. It is. That is correct. It uh-huh. is not the last episode, nor is it the next episode. Oh, and not. Oh, wasn't. Well, never mind. Sorry. Hi. I already had a drink of wine. Apparently, I'm drunk. <laughs> I'm so. Well, I'm honored by the fact that this gets a um, uh, uh, an actual Janine drink. <laughs> yeah. Well, I spent the last. I mean, I, I should do a Janine's corner about this, but I spent the weekend doing um, a Mars city state competition. Like we did a workshop to discuss what a Mars city would look like with a million people, and so <laughs> I'm fucking tired of fucking Zoom right now. I can tell you that. 
Well, so I'm looking forward to drinking with you. Luckily, we're not zooming. Yeah, I'm not awkwardly looking at myself. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst <laughs> part of doing this. Episode. It's horrible. I was I was trying to do Marco Polo with a few friends, but now I every time I get on it, I just look at my neck and I'm like, I don't want to look at my neck anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's very that's very specific. <laughs> That's, that's how I've, you. That's how you know it's true. That's what I've like. That's so what I've globbed onto is my stupid neck. Oh, Good grief! I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I've been hyper focused on my two quarantine zits, who I've named Lilo and Stitch. Um, so I've been. I just sort of stare at them. Uh, I did a socially distanced walk with Julie the other day. Um, to and saw Ruth and Janine both there as well uh, to stand in the alley behind a friend's house to wish him a happy birthday f- from six feet away. Actually, quite a bit farther than six feet away because there were so many of us. So it was just like we were imposing. We got to tell. I gotta say. It was. It was like um, site specific theater. It, it was. was like it was, it was weird. Anyway, um, while we were walking, Julie was like, "I'll tell you what. From quarantine, my skin's never looked better." And I was like, "Julie, I'd like you to meet Lilo and Stitch." <laughs> Um, and then I'd like you to shut the hell up. She was like, no, seriously, my skin, my hair. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I did notice that on our last happy hour. Her Julie's hair has been looking great. It's been. I got to say. Uh, to that, I'm she would say, next thank time. you. It's called not washing it. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's right. That's what that's what she would say. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about let's talk about journey cake. We get we start with. um uh, and again, I want to say, I think this is a very good episode. It is full of booksy stuff, some of which we'll talk about, some of which we won't, because there are some things that are coming to going to come into play later. Um, but I was telling Julie when we were doing the Crowdcast, I had this professor in college who taught theater history and the capstone theater history class was called development. And it was this, um, very intense look at the state of contemporary theater. And it just so happened that, oh, actually, no, it wasn't development. It was theater too. It doesn't matter. Anyway, she was out a semester, um, working on something. I don't remember what. And, um, we had a sub who was terrible. She was very, very bad at the job. And so Joan had to come in and sub once, And she came in and was like, so where are you? And we were like, we have no idea. We're not learning anything. Please help. And she taught basically everything that would have happened in the semester up to that point in one hour. And at the end of the class, everybody stood up and applauded. (laughs) It was like, I think about it all the time. That's what this episode is like. Only it's Diana Gambledon fitting in all of the stuff (laughs) that doesn't get like all the little cool things that hasn't been mentioned in the show into one hour of television and still finding room for like plot and character development. Uh, it is a delight. Did and she, she wrote this episode. She wrote yeah. this episode. Yeah. Um, they said in the, yeah. after, um, the show, bloody blah, let's watch Matthew B. Roberts drink incredibly watered down whiskey, uh, and talk about how smart he is that, uh, she wasn't around to break the episode, which means that she wasn't there for when they were talking about what's going to happen in it in terms of the plot and the overall structure of the story. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't there to be like, well, okay, so this and this and this should happen. Um, They just told her, these are the things that are going to be covered in this episode. Here you go. Uh, And then she, like I said, and it doesn't feel overcrowded at all, but it's just like, it's like the greatest hits of, and not just of this book. She's just like checking them off the list. All of the things 
that when, when we did an in the book session last Saturday and I was like, I want, I miss the saran wrap. I don't understand why we're not getting the white sow. I want the sex scene with the smells. I want this. I want that. Just being very grumpy about all the you things we all didn't get. Stuff. I got all kinds of wow. stuff. Yeah. It was, uh, if it weren't for the fact that, I don't know, maybe Daphne can time travel. <laughs> if the show was being produced in like two days, according then I to, would have thought that Daphne had listened in. But according, um, according to math, that's not possible. Callback. Nerdy joke. Nice. No? <laughs> Janine's Corner. It's, it's great- Janine's Corner. <laughs> the corner of Janine is Janine's Corner. I'm better by myself <laughs> and some mice. Boom. So, um. <laughs> Call me Cinderella. Good God. That Do was- you have mice? I do. I have two mice. And I'm sorry, I you don't were... have to say that on the podcast. That's a oh, rude no. question. It's, it's well, okay. we've talked about it on the podcast. Oh, yeah, because my, my my quarantine experience is me trying to be as optimistic as possible. And right now I have little fucker and brave fucker in my apartment who I thought were dead, but they're not because I just realized they've been eating my chips. Motherfuckers. Oh, dicks. oh your chips. I'm oh. so mad. I was so excited about chips and salsa. And then, nope, they took them. Sorry. Anyway, I'm very excited that Diana Gabaldon showed up and basically um, saved the ship. She did. And I mean, there there have obviously been some very good episodes this season. There was at least one that I think is like a top five, maybe top 10 for sure episode uh, and some other good things. There um, have been some great scenes throughout. But what this season has been missing, as noted through various rants (laughs) over the last couple of episodes, is what we have come to call hot pests, which is all of the like little tiny beats that are just about character and time and sense of place and where the show gets to breathe and where you get to just sort of fall into the world. Like when Claire is traveling the countryside collecting rent and she wanders into the the shed full of ladies going hot pest Claire and doing their hot pest thing. Right. So we've started calling it hot pest. And this episode is like straight hot pest, like nonstop hot pests. And I was delighted by it. Um, however, we still Start with something that isn't hot piss, which is uh, a brief um, montage of Getty Images footage of seasons passing, um, where it's like, "Hey, this is winter, and then this is this is this is spring, and this is summer, and this this is autumn, and then this is 1772." <laughs> um, so basically, it's like. A year has passed, and also here's what year it is now, because no one knows what year it is, what day it is, what month it is. There's a line later in the episode from Ottertooth's journal where he's like, they don't keep track of time in any way that is, seems familiar to me. I was like, yes, bitch, me too. So yes. thank you for explaining this because I missed the montage of the seasons like that somehow didn't register for me. And I was just like, how is Marsley pregnant again? Didn't oh, she yeah. just have a baby? She did in <laughs> fact. This makes sense. Just so have a baby. Time she's, has passed. But somehow- she's very fertile. That's true. And uh, somehow, so this is the quarantine episode where time doesn't matter to anyone and who knows what day it is. Yeah. It's like, uh, who knows? It's always five o'clock and it's always Friday and it's also always 8 a.m. on a Monday. Yeah. Last Mm -hmm. Friday was a year. Tomorrow, six years from now. Yeah. Who knows? Um, It's quarantine (laughs) rules. Uh, Anyway, it starts with what seems like a nice double date. And Claire and Jamie and Brianna and Roger are on, I I assume Clarence the mule who never shows up, but I miss him. And there are various other horses coming back from somewhere where they bought something. It's unclear. And while they're on this cutesy, Oh, they bought peanuts. That's really important. They mm-hmm. bought peanuts. Um, 
while they're on their way back, they um, smell something in the air and it's um, doom, tragedy and an ominous musical score. Uh, Ruth, can you refresh me? Have you read these books? I read the first book like 15 years ago. Oh my gosh. And then I haven't read any of the other ones. Okay. So, so, so this will not register for you as a book thing for them finding the family in the woods. What did you think was going on? Um, so I guess like, I don't know. I, I was upset that, uh, Jamie, having apparently never seen a horror film, like asked his wife and child to split up and check the woods for murderers. Like, rookie mistake, buddy. Totally. Is anyone there? Go yeah, no. Like, I just feel like, I don't know, if I was burning down cabins and murdering everyone inside, I wouldn't be like, oh, yep, over here. Like, that was weird. Yeah. I don't know. Well, as they're wandering around yelling to see if there are any survivors and or murderers, um, which, you know, gee, maybe I wonder if that will become significant later in the episode. Roger is wandering around and Richard Rankin, I guess, just hadn't didn't feel that he had locked down his season MVP badge yet um, and stumbles across. Oh, Janine, get ready. Um, a little girl uh, who had been burned alive. And by burned alive, I mean, oh was still alive. Um, oh God. Oh and God. this is the first note that Julie sent me, um, was she wanted me to mention how good she thought the burn makeup and special effects were. And it is really horrifying. It's really good. And like the makeup is great because it's gruesome. <sighs> it was disgusting. It's so upsetting. Um, and Jamie and Claire and Brianna are all still like, is anyone there? Hello, we're being unobtrusive in the woods at the scene of a crime. Hello, is anyone there? And Roger is just sort of silently weeping over this little body and he's trying to hush her. He calls Jamie over and um, Jamie offers, he, he, first of all, he like shakes his head and is like, uh, no, she's definitely going to die. Um, and he offers to kill her, which is the merciful thing. And Roger says, no, I'll do it. So Jamie um, says... Oh, what does she say? You will go home this night. Um, I don't remember the some. Yeah, it's like to home the, this night. Yeah. And then it's all like to where it's like all the seasons. It's a really beautiful prayer that I also don't remember very well. Yeah, but it's very pretty. And Roger is just crying and and smothering her with his handkerchief. And it's very sad. Oh, God. Yeah. As, and that's oh. how the episode starts. So I know that we set you up, uh, Janine, for like a fun romp. Thanks um, for that. <laughs> but that's how it starts. And there's a lot of other similarly dark stuff in your future. Apologies. Um, but it, it really is a good episode with a lot of fun stuff in it. It's just that part's not wine. so fun. I just really need to buckle in on this one. Huh? God, it's really, I feel like I should send you a screenshot. I'm not going to right now, but it's very upsetting. <sighs> it's very upsetting. And Richard Rankin is so fucking good. He's, He's so angry. fucking good. Ruth, would he be, who would be your season MVP so far? I shouldn't speak for everyone. But he's just been so fucking good that it's hard for me to to think it's anybody else. I'm curious on your opinion, though. Yeah, he's yeah, he's been great. He really has. He's so it's, good. Even when the writing for Roger is pretty messed up, he's just so fucking good. He just leans in so hard and and does his thing. I just I, I keep looking at that photo of him. Which that photo we, that we have? Did we ever share that one? Oh, I know what you're talking about. And then, uh, no, we haven't. Then we maybe will. I'll just uh, just say, I like him. <laughs> he, he's a charmer. It's true. 
Um, so that is our little cold open, and then we get the theme, um, which you know we end with our customary whisper of "That's a fiery cross," and that will not be the last time that we do that in this episode. <laughs> Spoiler, Janine, the God. fiery cross comes oh, back. It's God. back. No, I don't, I don't know if you realize this, but the fiery cross is kind of a big deal. Oh, good. Uh, also, credits Buffalo is still there. Um, so the title is Journey Cake, um, which is like Johnny Cake. You are correct. Thank you. Um, but the title card is the bat suit. Um, oh, is it, it coming is, back? Yeah, it, so it's, it's Claire from the neck down in her bat suit with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in her hands, which she unwraps from plastic wrap. Oh, and lets the plastic wrap go, and then sort of tries to snatch it, and it goes floating off into the distance. Oh, um, it is nice. one of my very favorite passages from the books. Uh, I don't know that it's like the earliest. Um, effusive in the book section that we ever did on the podcast but there is an episode where we talk about that passage and how much i love it at length i remember it i remember this so it was really like a toll it's so silly to say but it was a total thrill to see it in the episode which like obviously diana was like excuse me so two seasons ago you skipped something i think is important (laughs) do you think we could work it in now because i'm definitely gonna reference it so why don't we make it the title card and they were like yeah yes okay miss cabaldon i remember i remember when that happened and you were like and they just let it go it's yeah. plastic. <laughs> it's well, and it just the thing that's so great about it is it's like Claire is what it's she is taking a breather before she goes to meet Jamie again for the first time in 20 years. And she doesn't know what to do with it, really. So she takes this incredibly modern invention, this thing, this like miracle of science and just lets it float off into the fucking wilderness. And it's like it's nothing which it is right like it's not going to affect anything no one is going to be like hmm, i think i'll pick this up and try to invent sarana rap 200 years early like that's not going to happen it's just they're going to be like what the fuck is this this is weird and then the, that's it the only thing it does is it threw off microplastic calculations by a century that's all apparently <laughs> anyway it's a it's very it's very cool that this is the reference um which good. obviously connects to um claire talking in this first sequence about how she bought peanuts oh sorry janine she bought peanuts because there's she hasn't figured out ice cream yet but there's no way that jemmy is growing up without peanut butter and jelly sandwiches she bought peanuts to make peanut butter and so okay i have a question about the peanut butter situation hit me for okay two questions about the peanut butter situation first of all like peanut butter has like an inventor so claire is bringing a lot of stuff back to the past like penicillin etc um that like is she just the inventor of peanut butter now i guess like, so you can't just bring peanut butter back well, and I also on british bake-off when <laughs> any of the brits use peanut butter everybody loses their mind over this like exotic flavor combination of peanut butter and jelly so like would claire really have been that into it or is this like has she spent enough time in the u.s I assume it's got to be a U.S. thing, right? Like, because Brianna grew up there, so then all the other kids would have PB&J. And I think she's probably mostly nostalgic about it because of Brianna's childhood and then because Brianna made her those PB&J sandwiches for when she was traveling back through the stones. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you peanut butter, let's see, was 
patented peanut paste was patented in 1884. So we are well over a century early. Well, but that just means it was patented. Doesn't necessarily mean it wasn't invented before that. That's the interesting. Oh, hey, the earliest references to peanut butter can be traced back to the ancient Incas and the Aztecs who ground Hell roasted yeah, peanuts into a paste. However, modern peanut butter, its process of production and the equipment used to make it can be credited to at least three inventors. Okay. Yeah. Including Dang. Claire. Inc Including, well, win. now four. God damn. <laughs> um, I just... Into uh, it. It's, uh, it's very charming, but, uh, <laughs> you know... I think that maybe part of the reason it's good in this episode is because it's yet another thing where Claire is being maybe not a very good time traveler, which becomes important at the end mm -hmm. of this episode. Um, so, so yeah, Claire has introduced <laughs> peanut butter to the American colonies, um, you know, quite a bit early. Uh, and, and when we rejoin after the saran wrap that's what they're doing they're shelling peanuts to make peanut butter. And Claire is reminiscing with Brie about, um, her fateful peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and how they sustained her on her journey through the stones, et cetera, et cetera. Um, meanwhile, in a move designed to explode ovaries everywhere, <laughs> Ian is playing with gem and it's like, catch the necklace. Like what game were they playing? I don't know. It's a baby. Babies do whatever they want. That's true. Yeah. Well, and also he's not such a baby because again, a year has passed. So this is like the fifth actor they've played, have playing gem um, since the show started. <laughs> My nieces and nephew, they, I don't think they learned the term. They basically did whatever the hell they want until they were like five and no one's older than five right now. <laughs> so this is um, a hugely important scene in the books that I uh, did not really expect to see, that I was hoping we would see, but didn't really expect to see. Uh, and Ruth, I'm curious what your take was on it, because I worry that maybe this scene won't translate quite so well to people who haven't actually read the novels. So oh. what was your take on this scene? Um, yeah, so like... Ian is playing some sort of like keep away catch game with the necklace with Jemmy and the necklace is otter tooth stone. Um, and it starts, Oh, and Jemmy like goes to catch it, but he's like, Oh, it's hot. Um, and like, well, and Ian's like, what are you talking about? It's not hot. Stupid um, baby. Yeah, it's not babies hot. Babies are so dumb. Just, <laughs> um, so then like Bree and Claire kind of park up and they're like, what? So everybody goes over and touches the stone and like, is it hot? Is it not hot? Um, and then so like hot or not hot, hot or yeah, not. it's a it's an old timey hot or not exactly. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> Is this a Tinder? Who can tell? Yeah, who, who indeed? Um, so basically, Claire feels it feels like warm to Claire and Bree and Roger. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Jemmy seems to feel like it's really hot, so he has maybe some sort of like heightened. Uh, situation, but it seems tied to the time travel ability. Yeah. And as he's handling it, it's like, hot, hot, it's so hot, it's really hot, hot, I'm a baby, hot. Um, then we start to hear this ominous humming, and Jamie can hear it, and Brianna and Roger and Claire can all hear it, and Ian and Jamie cannot. And then the stone breaks. Oh. Um, like, like it breaks, like a piece of it falls off. This mm -hmm. is a thing that I think this is maybe the thing that is I'm worried doesn't translate nearly as well um, because it's Brianna says something about, well, you know, it got hot enough to break it um, in the banks. That scene takes place in 
um, Jamie's study and Jamie is playing with the opal because they're like, hey, kid, uh, grownups are talking about something. Here's something shiny. Play with that. And he's like, yum, 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 yum. And then starts playing with the opal. And then they start hearing this noise. And he says, oh, it's hot and picks it up again. And it splinters like little tiny pieces of opal fly. Like it shatters like a piece of glass. Oh, fly wow. everywhere. Um, Ian gets a cut on his face. And they're like, they're these little shiny fragments in all the walls and stuff because the pressure inside the opal was so great that it exploded from the inside when Jemmy was playing with it. Uh, oh, which Jesus. is scarier. Yeah. <laughs> oh my um, God. He didn't, lose, he didn't lose an eye or anything like that? That scares the crap out of me. Yeah, no, he didn't. Yeah. So God. after this happens, they're all talking about, oh, it's tied. it seems to be tied to travel. And um, Roger and Brianna look at each other and Roger says, that's what it means, doesn't it? He can travel. Because they can all hear it and Jamie and Ian cannot. And Ian gets this look on his face like, motherfuckers, I know something is up. Why won't anyone talk to me? This becomes mm-hmm. important later. Moving through my notes. There we go. I'm very bad at being the Julie. <laughs> Noise. Oh, okay. So then Jem is like, the opal explodes bloated and it's boring i'm gonna go conveniently look out over the pastures and he looks out over the pastures and sees a whole bunch of horses riding up and this is the arrival of brown town brown town brown town's a poop joke isn't it the the browns from brownsville yeah oh. brown remember yeah brown got town. it yeah oh. the browns from brownsville lionel brown and richard brown and in case you're having a hard time remembering which one is which because they don't use their names very often. And also they look kind of a lot alike. Uh, Richard Brown is the not as scary, but also more intimidating because he's not constantly drunk and also seems to be reasonably intelligent Brown. Whereas Lionel Brown is the stinkiest Brown and also the scariest Brown because he seems truly unhinged and is also constantly wasted. Is that an accurate description, Ruth? I think so. Okay, so it's so it's brown and the I'm and the stinkiest brown, but it's Richard Brown and Lionel Brown and a whole bunch of people, including some characters that might become important later, uh, including a guy who's wearing like a British military jacket, but like with some skins over it, and he's got a gnarly ponytail, and his name is Hodgepile, which to me sounds like a euphemism for defecation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, are we making a bunch of poop jokes now? What's going on? Well, Brown Town, we've been using Brown Town for a while. That's a Julie Starbert original. I just I don't remember it. Uh, Brown Town, um, it's Brownsville is what it's actually called, but we ah. called it Brown Town because it's Brown Town. <laughs> um, and then Hodgepile is his real name, that character's real name. And then there's it's... another character whose name we don't learn, but he's Donner and he's significant in the mix um, and has long, dark hair um, and uh, an interesting accent. That's what I'll say. Uh, but speaking of interesting Ooh. accent, R- Richard Brown's accent is either great or terrible. And I can't tell which because it's either like he's doing, hey, I've got a vaguely British accent, but also I'm a forerunner to what will become how we understand an American Southern accent. Or he's trying to do an American Southern accent badly. <laughs> and I can't tell which it is. Uh, you know, I well, I don't know. Never mind. I, I was watching a show called The Last Kingdom, and the main character on that, he has the weirdest accent. And they were, and but it's, it's accent is weird because it's a mix between Nordic or 
uh, Vikings and Saxon. And so maybe this is some good dialogue. Maybe it work. is. Maybe yeah, it's good dialogue. I like it. Work. So the Browns from Browntown show up and are like, hey, so Mr. Fraser, remember how you said join our militia and we said sure? Well, since the governor can't take care of his citizens, um, we're forming a committee of safety, which is a real thing, to protect people. But really it's like, hey, we're about to be a gang. Do you want to join our gang? Jamie's like, um, mm, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about it. And they are not happy with that response. And at Ooh. one point, one of them says something about um, defending us from the savages, at which point Ian is like, excuse me, the fuck you say? What did you say? Let's <laughs> let's discuss this, because uh, what you're describing is not what any they're they're talking about the um, the house that got burned down and the little girl and all that horrible stuff like that was an Indians. That's not what this is. Watch your mouth. And then there's, you know. Tension, I guess you might say. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and so they get rid of Jemmy by uh, having him go sleep in one of the 126 beds uh, while they sort all of this out. Uh, and meanwhile, Claire, with her like amazing wound radar spots on the stinkiest brown, Lionel Brown, uh, that he's got some kind of gnarly wound and that they have to take care of that. And the less stinky brown is like, yeah, go take care of it. Cause he doesn't want it. Um, he, she, he doesn't want to go. So Richard Brown is like, yeah, go take care of that. And then Claire has like an awkward confrontation with the stinkier Brown about how, uh, do you remember, um, do you remember Jean? how, um, <laughs> Uh, during the Alamance, one of the Browns from Brown Town shot somebody in the back. Is this ringing any bells? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's that guy. And <sighs> he's like, I know what you think of me, Mistress Fraser. You On think right. I shot that man in the back, but shouldn't he be able to defend a daughter's honor? Blah, blah, blah. It's a whole bunch of bullshit. And Claire's uh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever, dude. Your yeah, wound is healed. They played this scene like. Or like it was written like he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just defending my daughter's honor because his daughter fell in love with some dude and he didn't approve. And Claire gets thoughtful like, oh, I guess we defended our daughter's honor against Stephen Bonnet. But like those aren't the same. Not no. even sort False of the same. same. Come on. False equivalents. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Jesus. It's a little bit weird. Um, but Claire is still mostly like, mm, you're a bad dude. And he's like, mm, you know what? Yeah, I am. It's true. Um, so... <clears throat> They take off to go back to Browntown. Um, and then it's time for a Claire and Jamie confab. So they're talking about whether or not they think Roger and Brianna are going to go back now that they know Jimmy can travel. And as they're having this cozy heart to heart, Ian shows up and is like, are we going to talk about what just happened? Jamie's like, what, Browntown? I mean, sure, if you want to, but I basically just <laughs> told them to leave and then they left. He's like, no, 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 no. Are we going to talk about the weird opal shit? The, the weird magic that's happening? Can we? Because I have told you that I learned to not ask questions, but I have some questions. And that is a, like a very minor paraphrase of the line. Um, and John Bell is so good in this scene. Where he's like, I've learned not to ask questions. But I have some questions, and it's just very <laughs> That's good. really good. Um, so basically, he's like, "So, uh, 
you were gone for 20 years and then you just showed up. And then there's the thing with the opal and it exploded. And then there is this journal that I found when I was with the Mohawk and it's from Ottertooth and he was writing about the stones and this and that. So uh, who or what are you? And Claire's like, um... Uh, and she and Jamie exchange a look and this is all straight from the book stuff it's more it's slightly more lighthearted than the book but it's a pretty faithful um it's a pretty faithful adaptation unsurprisingly because it's Diana but they exchange this look where Jamie's like uh you should probably tell him man Claire's like um well I'm from another time I'm from 200 years in the future and then Ian looks at her and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, fuck me and looks at her and goes, <laughs> I knew you were a fairy, Auntie Claire. She's like, no, I'm not a fairy. I'm not a fairy. I'm just uh, w- weird. I don't know. Um, but she also looks in Ottertooth's journal and is like, oh my God, he wrote in a ballpoint pen. And Ian goes, what's a ballpoint pen? Like that? Mm-hmm. We're not going to explain that one. That's, I'm... <laughs> I'm not totally sure what a ballpoint pen is. I know there's a ball in the point and that it's a pen. It's a, it rolls and allows the link, the ink to go on the so ball. So the ink as it comes rolls. off the ball and is like ink yeah. off but a it, ball. It's yeah. ball ink. But it looks different from a fountain pen, which is what of they course. Would have been used to seeing. Or yeah. like. And like, there's also a different type of impression on the paper. So you can like press because you have to press like a ball. Balls like press. Well, yeah, sometimes it needs a little pressure. Thank you. You've got to squeeze a little hard. Thank you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, Ruth. Welcome to Podland. <laughs> this is where we give a handy jokes. Yeah. Yay! Oh, oh, man. Um, at one point, Ian turns to Jamie and is like, and you knew this whole time. It's like, well, we didn't think people would understand. So we kept it between ourselves. But Ian is immediately like, did Marta Kane? It's like, yes, Marta, he did. R.I.P. So now Ian is in the know. So there's one more person who knows about the time travel. And it's Ian, who frankly deserves. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. like, he's, he's suffered. He, he's in the crew. He, he really should know, especially because (laughs) like he got the weirdest of all of the stuff when Claire reemerged, right? Because she, he found her in that bed and then like had to try to explain things and was like right there when it was all happening. So everybody else got, had some distance from the immediacy of Claire just randomly showing up in her outfit that was constructed with a sewing machine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so he had sort of the brunt of all of that knowledge. So I, I think, I think he deserves. Is um, this when he asks if he can go back in time too? Mm-mm. Okay, that's later. Nope, that's coming up. Okay. Um, So then it's time for another field. There's a lot of like little road trips in this episode. So Claire and Jamie go on another mini road trip and they show up at the fairy hut um, where, which is the opposite of the doom hut, which is where um, Mercasta boned during the premiere, right? Yeah, there's like Um, a a California king inside. Yeah, absolutely. And um, they they show up and Jamie goes, you can come out and out comes Ulysses, man on the run. Fugitive at large. Man on the run. Yeah. Um, Recent, recent killer of a hobbit um, hiding out in the fairy hut. And uh, with good reason, because as he points out, it doesn't matter if 
Mr. Forbes was trying to kill Jocasta, he is a black guy and Forbes was a white man and he <sighs> will absolutely die. <laughs> so, <sighs> so he's hiding out. So he's um, on the run. And Jamie brings him some food and some books. He specifically brings Pamela, which is a book. Um, I think it's called Pamela or the Price of Virtue. I wrote this down. Pamela or Virtue Rewarded. There we go. Um, Which is a book that gets discussed in the books. Um, So that's a nice little Easter egg. But um, they basically are like, "Here, here are your supplies while you're hiding out. And it comes out that Ulysses is not actually a slave. Um, He, as soon as Jocasta's husband died, not a particularly nice man, if you'll remember from the flashbacks, um, Mm -hmm. Jocasta had, of all people, Mr. Forbes, witness a a document of manumission. Is that Mm -hmm. the term? Yeah. I think think it is. Um, Saying that he was free and Ulysses chose to stay because he wanted to stay with Jocasta. But he is not a slave. So there's that revelation. Cool. Which I think is an invention of the show. I do not remember. Um, yeah, I don't recall. But he has chosen to stay with Jocasta. So now he's he goes back into the fairy hut to hide some more. Uh, and that is not quite a wrap on Ulysses, but it is the last time we see him in this episode. Hopefully not in the series, but it is totally possible that that's a series wrap on Ulysses, too. Mm-hmm. Um. So then we go back to Brianna and Roger. Ruth, have you ever used one of those bed warmers? I have not. I want to. Doesn't it look nice? It seems nice, but it also seems like maybe too hot. Yeah, I mean, maybe like, I guess if you were camping, like if there was a sleeping bag version and it was like September. Mm -hmm. Janine, do you know what I'm talking about with the bed warmers? I have like a loose hazy idea of what you're talking about it's like um you know when you go to a movie theater and somebody's sweeping and it's like the dustpan that's all extra enclosed yeah it's like that only it's like a little metal tub that you put coals in and then you stick in your bed to warm it up yeah that feels like a great way to die (laughs) it does seem like a fire hazard (laughs) (laughs) but roger uh, is warming up their bed um, and not where this isn't a euphemism. There's no Brianna and Roger boning in this episode. No. Uh, and they're talking about going back. Um, and also about Jem and his being able to hear the stone, but also that it burned him when everybody else thought it was hot. And Brianna says, Oh, you know, it might be, it might be proof that he's your biological son. Um, which is also something that's true of the books, but there is, and it seems likely this is like, like a very mild spoiler. Um, but it seems likely that this isn't going to happen in the show. Um, but there's a segment in the books where I'm sorry, in the mix where Jem gets lice. So they have to shave his head. And when they shave his head, they find a birthmark on his scalp. And Roger is like, Oh, that's funny. I have a birthmark in the same place and they're all like dun, dun, dun. and roger's like I, I know why don't you shave my head too so they shave their heads together because it's saint baldrick's yeah it's like light confirmation <laughs> a fundraiser for charity and light confirmation that roger is jemmy's biological father okay um, this is very reassuring to me because they start talking about stephen bonnet at one point and then they go like, I'll never see his face again in a way that made me think like, 
that man is also a time traveler and is just chilling in 1975, like waiting. Nope. He's real dead. Okay. He's Great. for sure dead. That's a wrap on it. Stephen Bonnet. Ed Spielers, you were very good. May I mean, who knows? Nightmare, maybe? They keep finding ways to bring Tobias Menzies back. God bless them. Um, so who knows? It's possible that they could invent some reason that Ed Spielers would come back, but I doubt it. They um they can <laughs> they condense two books worth of Bonnet story into one episode. Yeah, so they really, they really just got him. Uh, out so of I there think they just they, they wanted to dispense with the old Stephen Bonnet. Oh, that's too bad. Okay, I was um, just being paranoid then. Yeah, it's no. like everyone's time traveling secretly. Nope. <laughs> Although there is mm, FOMO kind of thing. Oh shit! Somebody else. <laughs> there, yeah, there are there are other time travelers. <laughs> um, is they're gonna are they gonna start calling themselves the travelers and writing wrongs of the past? Maybe quantum leaping it forward and backwards. Let their uh, they're called spoiler. Uh, they call themselves the legends of tomorrow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, they, now it all makes sense. Down the Allison. road, they they find a time ship called the Wave Rider, and they use it to uh, screw things up for the better. You know, um, it's taken me a few years to figure out why you were so into this show, and now I totally get it. It's all united. I'm you know all what, Janine? The reason that you don't understand why I'm so into the show is because you have not seen it. <laughs> so this Great is my job. regular encouragement to all of you no, to it, start with se- skip all of season one. It is not good. Um, friend of the show, Scotty Caldwell, can tell you she, her sister and I both told her skip season one. She was like, no, I'll start with season one. And then she was like, why do you watch the show? It's so terrible. We're like, well, because you're watching season one. It's not good. Start read a Wikipedia summary if you must and start with season two. Um, it is delightful. It's perfect quarantine viewing. It is so fun and silly and dumb and also secretly smart and wonderful. And there are great fights and there is at least one person you will develop a massive crush on, especially if you are a bisexual. But no matter what, you will walk away with a big old crush on someone because everybody is attractive and charming and fun and like the best. Watch Legends of Tomorrow. I'm going to watch it tonight. You really should. But again, I really am. This is no season joke. two, yeah. season two, episode one. No, I'll watch. The other thing you have to do is you have to uh, watch out for when the crossovers happen, um, because you have to watch the crossovers, even though they won't make a ton of sense to you, which means you're going to have to jump over to other shows. I mean, we'll talk about it off mic. Yeah. Well, yes, I'll do it. I'm doing it. I'll do it. This is peg in the sand. Where were we? I don't fucking remember. Um, uh, we were talking about uh, Jen, uh, oh, okay. Oh, so oh, Roger and Brianna oh, are talking. They're it's their bedpan scene, not bedpan. <laughs> oh God, hot pass. No bed warmer, not bedpan. Oh. Oops. Golden um, cake. Uh, journey cake. What? Urinal cake. Ew. Same thing. Oh, gross. Uh, but they're talking about going back and. Um, and basically, Roger is like, well, first of all, it's not safe here, which fair. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not. I mean, there's about to be a war, but also you could get a scratch and it get infected. And Claire is the best doctor in the world, but she is using an actual rattlesnake to inject homemade mm-hmm. penicillin into your veins. So like it's it's frontier medicine. So even without the war, it's still not the safest time to be a human. Um, so there's that, but Roger's also like, it's not the life that we were meant to live. Uh, and Brianna seems to agree with that. We'll talk about that some more later. Cause that's a, that's a, um, that's a books thing. Anyway, um, then we jump to hold on. Where is my um, oh, Jamie has a visitor. 
Ruth, who is the visitor? Mm-hmm. Lord John Gray. Yeah. Hey. Hey. himself. What's going on, Coiny? We are not going. Did you just call him Coiny, Janine? I did. I like it. <laughs> I like it. That's a nickname. It's not Coinface. A nickname for a nickname. <laughs> yeah. Coiny. Coiny. What's up, Coiny? Coiny. I like it. Now he has, he also has like a weird, like, um, uh, sitcom, sitcom, sitcom. Oh God. Okay. For the Drunk. spinoff, the inevitable spinoff, uh, yeah, which yeah. by the way, we are not going to address the article that came out today saying David Barry was leaving Outlander because it seems uh, like a little dicey to me. Um, so we'll talk about that when there is more information maybe next week. Uh, but hopefully he's not leaving cause that would really suck. Um, cause he's very good at his job and Julie, I mean, that might be it for Julie. <laughs> that's, Without that's, him, that, she's out. That's a yeah. season, season series wrap on Julie. Uh, that might, that might be, that <laughs> that really might be. Yeah. Uh, have you ever quit a TV show because a character died? Um, actually, I I kind of stopped watching. Uh, hand not handmade. What's the call the call the call the midwife? Call the midwife. Call the midwife. I call, I stopped watching that for a few months because uh, when the main character, the first main character, left, I was like, I just liked her so much. Understandable. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, what about I you, Ruth? Mm, I don't think I've ever stopped watching like directly because someone died, but I did stop watching Grey's Anatomy when Izzy started fucking her ghost boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a bridge too far for me. So kind of because he died. Uh, no, that. <laughs> you know, Grey's is also my example, and it's not nearly as fun. Which is that I quit Grey's when um, Isaiah Washington. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, yelled a um, homophobic slur into Tierra Knight's face and then didn't get fired and then Tierra Knight left the show Uh, but before he left the show I was like I'm out I was already sort of on the fence and I can't remember whether or not that was before the ghost fucking um, because definitely the ghost fucking was also an impetus to depart oh gosh Uh, (laughs) but this really happened Janine we're not making this up I I mean Grey's Anatomy is an experience where you basically like the craziest things that can happen do happen plane hit something cool two bombs go off in an airport cool or airport hospital I don't know yeah there is um the the Super Bowl episode of Grey's Anatomy is the one where Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights um, gets exploded because somebody accidentally shot an a World War II era grenade into someone else's stomach. Yep, I remember that. And one. he's that on the bomb nuts. squad. Oh God. Um, and Meredith ends up covered in pink mist, and all of the other women like come together to group shower her. It's very weird. Group shower after the pink shower. Yeah, God. they're like, they're That's like, intense. let's get this Coach Taylor off of you. Clear eyes, full carts can't lose. Right? Like, <laughs> it's very. So it's a lot. Um, I, uh, when yeah. I was watching Grey's Anatomy, I would like to text my friend who was studying to be an orthopedic surgeon. And he would be like, dude, watch Scrubs. That's real. Because he, he's like, doctors are as, as crazy and uh, irreverent as they are on Scrubs. He's yeah. upset. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, Patty. Julie, my next Julie note was thanks for the extended coin face profile shot, which there is a long shot. That's like 
look at this nose. Look at that fucking mm-hmm. Grecian nose in that scene. Um, it's a and it's a it's a good little scene. So basically, Lord John shows up to be like, hey, so um, I can sort of tell that there's going to be a war. And Jamie's like, mm-hmm. um, I think you're probably right, but I can't say why. And uh, he also has to go back because. Somebody, I don't know, some lord, somebody, somebody at Hellwater, one of the Dunsanies died. And it's going to mean that now William is going to have to take on his responsibilities. So he has to go learn how to be an earl. So Lord John has to go back to London to teach um, Willie how to be an earl. Uh, but he brought, and he, and he says, um, hold on. Um, oh, no, wait, that's later. But for the first, this is like... This is like David Barry has been listening to the podcast specifically because poor old Lizzie is there. And Jamie's like, hey, Lizzie, will you bring Lord John's baggage up to the guest chamber? And David Barry cocks one eyebrow and goes, guest chamber? Like he's, like he's like, since when do you live in a palace? Like what? Do, do you realize the other people on the ridge are starving? Has anybody planted any corn yet? Like Later in this episode, they're digging privies. I'm like, hold on. This was my question about the privy. Like now, now they're digging a privy. Why now? We just a year passed. You're saying in that year, you're, it's now. The time is you're now. You're just in the woods the whole time. I, was it? You need a new. Like, did you shit so much that you need a new privy? Because uh, I've never seen a bathroom on the. Been pu- they've been pooping in a bucket. Or I a guess septic so. Tank. I will say one quibble that I have with this season and it's it feels like maybe the line when this comes up later is there's a reference to this in the episode and it feels kind of like low level shade like a baby tree from Diana Gabaldon but um, in the books Brianna spends a lot of time using her incredible inventor mind to find a way to bring modern conveniences into the past she invent quote unquote invents matches um, she builds a kiln underground to heat water with the goal of having the water then run underneath the floorboards in the cabin so that they can have central heating fuck yeah she's like all kinds so in here it's just basically the rattlesnake syringe but brianna is constantly inventing things in and by inventing i mean trying to frontier recreate modern conveniences in the past Um, i feel like i would have invented a toilet before i invented like floor heating right it's pretty complicated though i mean it is but mostly i just want to know why they were digging a privy that like maybe instead of the wainscoting they could have dug a toilet (laughs) To be fair, the house is very beautiful. It is. I wrote a note about the peacock color in like the parlor. <gasps> oh yeah, well that Julie and I had a lengthy conversation about that beautiful color blue um, when we were on the Crabcast. It's so pretty. It is beautiful. I mean, it is beautiful. But people are starving. Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's like they went on Pinterest and was like, let's just do all these things and we don't frontier care. Pinterest. Frontier Pinterest. Oh God. It's it's that and there are 126 beds. It's just hilarious. It's it's very funny, but it is beautiful. It's really beautiful. Um, anyway, Julie was ha- happy about the extended coin face shot. Point being, um, so oh, also I meant to mention at one point Roger is wearing a tricorn hat and it looks fucking great. Um, Otter Tooth Journal, Pamela, Genetics, Willie Miniature, genetics. Guest Chamber, <laughs> Guest <laughs> Chamber. Oh, okay. So then uh, they're all outside doing homesteading of some kind. 
Laundry, maybe? Are they doing laundry in the river? Also, there's a a river. Did did we know that they lived on a river? Carving a new door for the new season? Probably. Maybe. I don't know. But but Ian and Brianna, I've been listening to the audio book, so I just keep wanting to say Brianna. Uh, Ian and Brianna and Claire are all outside doing some kind of chore. And um, Ian is like, so, Brianna, do you really have to go? Do you... Are you sure you have to leave? She's like, yeah, we really do. Because did you know that they haven't even dug a privy yet? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I really want a toilet. Um, I could really use a toilet, man. Also, there's a war coming. And he's like, well, you don't have to be whatever it is that you are to know that. Uh, And then they get into a thorny time travel conversation about whether or not they can change things. And I think this scene is really interesting for a couple of reasons, even before Ian gets into his sort of personal response to it, which we'll talk about for a minute. Um, But... Ian compares it to Culloden where he's like, well, Uncle Jamie told me you tried to stop Charles Stewart and a a slaughterer for the Highlands. And Claire's like, well, yes, we did. And it didn't work. But we were able to save some people from Lallybrock. And Brianna says, and what's about to happen is bigger than us. But also, um, there is no way, there is no way where the goal, um, at least in Claire and Brianna's mind, would be to stop the American Revolution, right? Like, and it's interesting because, of course, Ian would think war is bad. Let's stop the war. Makes perfect sense that his response, and this isn't a thing that happens in the books. This is this episode. It makes sense that he would think, well, you tried to stop Culloden. Shouldn't we try to stop this? Two people are going to die. But, you know, no one is going to think, mm, I don't think so. Let's let, let's let this one, let's just try to keep this under control. Um, did Is that something that you took from it, Ruth, or am I super projecting onto that scene? Because I thought that was super interesting. Yeah, no, I took the same thing and it it is interesting. They're like, mm, well, well um, like, yeah, people are going to die, but also, um, you know, we should probably let the United States exist, which then, of course, that becomes a more complicated conversation given everything that's going on in the world. But yeah, now it seems questionable at best. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it's interesting. Then Ian is like, well, OK, so if you can't change huge things, what about little things like, say, could you change what happens between a man and his wife? Uh, and then asks them to take him through the stones with them so he can go back and fix something without going oh. into detail what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's upsetting. Yeah. Little John Bell. He was so good. That sounds like a good, like, it uh, sounds like a good scene. A good it philosophical a good conversation around what could you do? What couldn't you do if it was real? Well, and, and Ian is like, you can travel so you can take me. Claire's like, no, it doesn't work that way. And you can tell he like only sort of believes her. It's very, it's, it's distressing. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, so uh, sad. I can only imagine how frustrating it would be too to like know that there's something you just can't do. Like it's, it's not even like, uh, like suddenly you've been, you've been, you've gotten this kind of perspective that, oh my God, time travel's real. Anything's possible except for me. Nothing's mm-hmm. possible for me. That's like a, that's a really, diff- that's a hard thing to come to terms with. I, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and then, I mean, 
there are bigger conversations in terms of like steering and where they can actually go and whatnot. But um, there's also one really bad green screen shot, but the show has been doing so much better on that this season that I sort of don't want to harp on it. (laughs) But there's one shot where I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You had to, you had to put that screen in by computer. Didn't you? Even the Buffalo was more convincing than that. (laughs) Another Um, river shot kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was in ah. fact a body of water, so who yeah, knows? Really it's their weak spot, that. I guess. They're and then really they end up in that gorgeous that. peacock blue room. Ruth, I want to paint my entire apartment that color. It's so pretty. It was so pretty. Talk me out of it. Don't know. I do won't. It. I think it's a great idea. But uh, maybe I will. You know what? I <laughs> I'll really bring a actually. I'll help you paint. I do. Will you really? Well, no, yeah, I will. From six I feet don't. apart. Well, I mean, you, so let me in, you go to the end, you go to your kitchen and then I'll start near the bathroom and then we'll, I'll, you'll actually go to the middle. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do this. You're going to go to the middle of the room. I'm going to start your bathroom and then you'll work towards your kitchen and then I'll work towards the middle of the room. Boom. Six feet apart the entire time. Damn. All right. I got you. Cool. Maybe. It's a very pretty color though. So then Jamie and Lord John have a tete-a-tete. Um, where one of them is pining and the other one is just being a friend and they're very nice and David Barry is very good. But this is when Lord John spills the beans about needing to go back and and he gives Jamie a little miniature of Willie and um, uh, says it's going to be hard to leave and Jamie's like, yes, I'm, I guess it's going to be hard to leave your farm. And Lord John is like, yes, there are many things that I will miss when I leave. Oh. Meaningful eye contact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's a nice little scene. It is and nice. The lighting is pretty and I will miss his happy face. And anyway, uh, so he gets a, coiny. he gets the portrait of Willie. Oh, coiny. Bye, um, coiny. Uh, then we cut to a Claire and Jamie scene and Janine, do you know what is included in this scene? Fucking. I was going to say strong sexual content, but yes, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> some straight Diana Gabbles on fucking too. It's good. Fuck yeah. You, you should have seen Fuck. when we were watching this live, I was so, when I figured out that this is the scene that was happening, I was like, Oh shit. God bless. This Did is what you? it's one of my very favorite sex scenes in the books. It's very specific and fun and like sexy and weird in a very Diana Gabaldoni kind of way. Uh, and when it started, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe they're actually doing this. And you could see Julie just kept like sitting up straighter and like straighter. Reach, <laughs> reaching over to her uh to her drawer to find her <laughs> she didn't but she should have and I, I don't know what you use to create that sound janine that was the, that was the fan i went and like put my headphones down because i knew it would take a moment for you to describe this scene so i could find the fan just so i could yeah, perfect i mean to that end i feel like i need to get another beer ruth i'm gonna ask you to set the stage while i do this talk about the like the portraits and like the whole s- and getting into bed and claire and the perfume and all that shit okay yeah okay uh, i'll be right so, back okay yeah uh so claire is in her chef right away so you know it's gonna be good good um but jamie is like wearing the small glasses that he wears and like looking at a book or some notes or something yeah. in, in bed and he has the portrait of Willie on like his bedside table um, and there's kind of a close up of it so he's doing that and they're just like chatting um, and she goes and sits at her night table and she has like a jewelry box and stuff and she's like puttering around with all her night table things and then she like sort of turns away from Jamie a little bit and puts on this perfume like like sort of secretly like it's a fun <laughs> surprise for Jamie oh, um, and it's like it's very sensual she oh, like gosh. dabs it at her like 
her decolletage and then her neck and oh. her wrists and it's like she's getting ready this is a this is a book thing specific where claire puts on perfume it's this it's a very specific easter egg where it's like decolletage and behind the ears and then on the wrists and it's very sexy uh to that end i went i had a i had a crowler in my fridge from twisted hippo uh so this is going to be a very intense opening are you ready that's that's a can the size of like a travel mug of coffee gosh is it plump ass it is not plump ass it is goat party i think it's i can't remember i think it's a maybach i love a maybach i think it's a maybach anyway i do love plump ass but it's not listen to that i'm fanning myself in preparation of knowing how hot i'm about to get well what or are you or are you so what happens after she's put on that perfume ruth so like i said she's turned like slightly away from jamie so he like doesn't see her doing the like sex preparations oh yeah totally. um and then so she turns to like go back to bed and he's just passed out he's asleep mother like in his clothes on top of the covers fully conked out i have to reverse swap a fan now oh no you don't don't worry don't worry (laughs) don't worry come on jamie so then we have a little passage of time right and like two months three months a year no (laughs) like three hours (laughs) and jamie is still asleep on top of the covers and claire is asleep (laughs) under the covers sort of but she wakes up and she's like oh it's so hot why am I so hot? And it's and then, like, maybe the chef this slips down off one shoulder. Yep. There's a little Hello. like sh- chef drooping. Um, and it's unclear whether it's just that it's really hot or she's having a hot flash or maybe it's both. I think maybe it's a hot flash, but she thought it was a hot flash. Yeah. But she goes to the window because there are 127 windows, <laughs> one for every bed. Um, and no latrine. And no latrine. <laughs> she opens the windows and is like, oh, so hot. And the wind is blowing her hair. And she's standing in the open window with like the North Carolina breeze coming through and fanning her hair. Uh, and Jamie wakes up and is like, um, comes over and he kisses her and is like, are you? <laughs> Salty, have you do you weep, Sassanach? She's like, No, I've been sweating because I'm so hot. So then he he decides to apparently play the what are all the things my wife smells like game. I love this scene so much. It's gonna sound so weird. And I like, and it's hot enough that I feel kind of awkward attempting to recreate it. <laughs> but basically he's like, mm, smells like mushrooms, smells like peppercorns, mm, smells like garlic. Garlic. Oh, and she's like, hello. Oh, you knew what we had for dinner. He's like, Yeah. Oh, so this is vinegar. Oh, you've been making those pickles. I like those. And at that point, Julie went, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, and then you smell like this and you smell like this and mm, 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 smells good. Blah, 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 right. And he's like smelling all over. And she's like, Oh, oh my turn. Mm, Gunpowder. Mm, hey. Oh my God. And just a hint of manure. Very manly. And they're just smelling each other. Right. And then he gets to her decolletage. I, one more time. Decolletage. It's a great word. I'm so glad that you, Janine, God bless. Do it one more time. (laughs) (laughs) Julia's going to flip her shit. Oh, she's going to be so proud of you. I I love the reload sound. 
it's like the soft, the soft. <laughs> so good. I am so hot and bothered right now. Oh my god, I'm like holding up a glass of you wine, dude. You haven't myself. Even, you haven't even got there yet. Oh Jesus! So he's oh, he's sniffing all of her sniffs, right? Like, mm, this smells like mm, the, the return envelopes, and this smells oh, like. <laughs> Like baking grease, and this this smells like you just cleaned your humidifier. Like all, very specific things that he's smelling, and um, I don't know why those are the things that came to mind. Those but I'm not gonna the, the I'm not gonna investigate that right that now. Are just like, oh, I did hey. clean my humidifier this week. That's true that I did. Um, anyway, oh, uh, Patty. So he's and she's smelling him, and they're just like smelling each other and grabbing each other's hair and like rubbing each other's butts, right? And then he gets to her decolletage, and he's like. Oh, it's your special perfume. Oh, no, you wanted me and I fell asleep. And she goes, you were tired. And then he says, and I cannot believe I didn't think of this joke earlier. He says, uh, you could raise me from the dead for this, (coughs) which, first of all, sexy. Second, she has (laughs) like she has actually raised you from the dead for this. So then he picks her up and he sets her on the windowsill Oh, and like hello. pushes up her shift and he says, trust me. Uh, and then what happens next is what Julie has chosen to call dining al fresco. Oh, hello. <laughs> Where apparently he decides to see if her vagina also smells like she's been making pickles. Oh, hello. So her, so she leans back out of the open window and her beautiful hair is blowing in the breeze while she gets, I'm guessing, really fantastic oral sex from her extremely handsome husband. So she's leaning out of her, the it's window 125 of 127. Um, just... Enjoying Perfection. a nice orgasm yeah. while the breeze coats her sweat-covered skin and Jesus. she smells her own fancy perfume. Oh so this God. scene was like very sweet and weird and sexy. I was so worried she was going to fall out the window. Me too. But like, like, I know that's not what was going to happen, but like, come on. Well, he is very strong and he was bracing her legs. Okay. But in your description, even as I'm over here... I was like, I was like, don't fucking fall. Oh my God, that's so scary. I feel like, oh my God, Janine, I'm going to need you the next time you do that to take a little video of yourself doing it so we can send it to Julie. Cause it just, I feel like she deserves visual accompaniment. She might need to just hear me um, vamp just a little bit to uh, create a video of myself. <laughs> Looking at the mic going, oh my God. Bravo. Done. A plus. You're oh, your that's soon. great. Well, now, and now you're going to have to do a Janine's Corner about fan opening technique. Well, I'm going to have to do a Janine Corner on a lot of things at this point. Good God. Good Lord. I'm so hot and bothered by this. It's also, I will say, despite the fact, as Ruth says, funny and weird and sexy and great. I was also worried about her falling, but it also made me think about the scene in the pool in Showgirls. Because <laughs> she's like butterfly backwards. I mean, she's not thrashing, but it, but it also made me think about Sugar a little bit, just a little, just a little. Um, this is followed by a scene that's like that I love so dearly that I, you know what? In fact, I'm just gonna. Ruth, do you have notes on the next scene? 
Uh, the next thing I have written down is, oh, this bit with Lizzie is so sad. Okay. All right. So I'm going to, I'll set up this next bit though, but this is like an in the book's greatest hits. This is like a classic, um, but it has absolutely no purpose, which is why it's a great hot <laughs> pass scene, right? Like it is hot pass top tier, um, but it has no purpose in the episode. So I'm very curious on your perspective on this scene. So it's the next morning. Jamie gets up and he's like, you know, he's got splinters in his knees and he's wandering around <laughs> like and his back hurts from making sure Claire stayed anchored to the floor while he pleasured her while she floated in space. And um, he wanders into her surgery and she's looking through her microscope uh, and and basically he's like, Mom, what are you looking at there? And she's like, here, take a look. And then. Ruth, you do it. Okay. Sorry, I didn't. I'm sorry, I made this pause then, so long. And then, and then there's sperms. There's oh, they're sperms. just wriggling around under the microscope. Oh, hello. Where? Oh, hello. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where did she get those? Well, Jamie asked her the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so where did she get them, Ruth? Uh, like, she the she had shit? them inside of her. What? Yeah. She, how did she say it? It was so funny. I woke up in custody of them this morning. Oh my god! So she basically was like, "Man, I got that. I have this new because Lord John gave her a new lens for her microscope, right? So she's like, I've got this new microscope lens. What should oh I look god. at with it? I know. And then she was like, Bloop, like take oh, a little dollop and gross. put it on the microscope slide and was looking at sperm and and the Sam Huan is so good in this scene. He's looking through the microscope and it's like, when you told me about the germs, I assumed they would have little teeth. I did not expect them to be such brawl, mighty fine swimmers with their aggressive little tails. And it's <laughs> he just describes like, them as handsome at one point. He's just talking about how amazing the sperm are and Katrina also is amazing in this scene she's just sitting there like drinking literally drinking a but it's like the kermit meme like drinking a cup of tea being like mm -hmm, yeah aren't they magnificent mm -hmm, they're so cute right they're so powerful um so when she says they're not they're not germs they're sperms it's like do you mean seed she's like yes i do <laughs> who's she's like well who else is yours where did you get them and he sort of looks down like somehow she <laughs> like sucked my she's, <laughs> she's like i woke up in custody of them this morning that so, is it, so ridiculous <laughs> it's the best it's it's great. Is it great? I was so worried that that one is one that was that people who have read the books were not going to be into. It was weird and out of nowhere, but I loved it. I was like, "What's this? Is what's literally here? the episode it's you great. were hoping for, Allison? Oh yeah, this is, this is everything you you're like. Where are my fucking weird moments of her being a fucking time travel talking about how totally. stupid and weird everything it's is? It's not. It's not the weirdest stuff, right? Like we didn't get the weird foot thing, obviously, because yeah. that was many episodes ago, and there are some weird things I had that if they cut them, I'm going to be really mad. Um, but it's all of the stuff that I've been so mad that's been missing. Like all oh, wow. of the in-between beats where it's just people living together and sort of experiencing the world together. And th it's also, they just don't return to the idea that Claire is in possession of a bunch of knowledge that Jamie has no frame of reference for, but he's incredibly intelligent. So 
the conversations they have about these things that he just cannot possibly wrap his mind around are always really interesting and they just keep skipping them. So this one I think was great because he understands what germs are, but has never seen, like it took her, I mean, let's be honest, years to get Jamie on board with Mm. the concept of germs. So he understands what germs are, but has never seen them. And he's not looking at germs. He's looking at, do you mean seed? It's so good. It's so good. Uh, and he's so admiring of his sperm before they know his it's his sperm. It's the he's best. Just like how look look how great they are. They're very strong. Bro like swimmers. Me. Mighty tails. <laughs> Handsome wee fellows. It's the best. It's so which, fucking good. Which I gotta say is like I find that to be a very hot scene in itself where it's just like, hey, by the way, we're these weird, gross human beings, and I'm looking at part of you that you put inside of me. Why well, yes. You injected this into my body last evening. I've now dabbed it onto a piece of glass and I'm studying it. I woke up in custody of them this morning. So fucking weird. It's the best. It's so good. Which is followed by a scene that is not from the books that I like a lot. So now I can tell you all that Brianna does not find out about Willie for a long time in the books. But here in the show, and I think this is a really good change, Jamie gets this miniature from Lord John and Brianna's about to hightail it back to the future. So he's like, hey, so look at this picture. She goes, oh, who's this? He goes, and he goes, your brother. <laughs> and they just have a frank, like refreshingly, a frank, honest conversation. About, and this is one of my favorite scenes in the episode. And it was one of Julie's too. Julie specifically said um, good scenes between uh, Brie and Jamie and Brie and Lizzie, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but basically he's like, okay, so, um, I don't really want to talk to you about this, but I figure you should know before you go back to your own time, you have a brother. Um, and she goes, who's his mother, if you don't mind me asking. And he's like, well, I mean, I I do, but, but I want you to know. So I'm going to tell you, she was a daughter of the house when I was imprisoned and I was an indentured servant and, um, it wasn't a love between us. But it was her choice. And that's all I'll say about that. I was like, oh, that's so fucking good. Um, Because this, by the way, and this is something the show likes to brush over, is the other time that Jamie was raped in his life. Because basically she said, I will tell everyone that you raped me unless you have sex with me, which is rape because you're coercing Mm -hmm. someone into having sex with you. So, um yeah. But what he says is it was her choice and that's all I'll say, but it's a very good line in his delivery. It was very good. Um, and then he sort of says, well, you know, it, he doesn't know I'm his father. Um, his father and his mother died when he was born. So Lord John has been his father. And she goes, Oh, that's the son he was telling you about. They have this lovely conversation that ends with Jamie being like, listen, you should look him up when you go to the future. Cause he was an Earl. So maybe he'll be easy to find. Um, but also I just want you to know that, you know, he's, my son, even though he doesn't know I exist and you'll always be my daughter and you've made my life whole, I think is the line. Yeah. It's very nice. Was there, Ruth, was there like a particular line or moment in that scene? I guess, did you react as strongly to that scene as Julie and I did? Yeah. That like, you've made my life whole was definitely like, (sighs) Oh no. Oh, you guys. (laughs) I just, I'm having an issue guys because I keep glancing back to my notes um, only in the middle of the page in capital letters, taking up a solid 50% of this page in my notebook. It just says sperms. Um, so I keep glancing back. 
I'm laughing. Anyway, I mean, it's I'm, a, I'm having a hard time trying to stay serious with you because I'm mostly thinking about Claire going, you know what? I got something new I can look at. Let me grab a Q-tip. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a glass slide. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to like, <laughs> just like, t- just, it's, just scoop them out. Just scoop them on out. Like it's, um, like you've got one of those conditioners where you have to scoop it out of a round container with two fingers. Oh mm-hmm. gosh. I actually have one of those right now because I am, I'm going to use that overtone shit to make my hair green. Nice. Yeah, except for now I'm going to be thinking about jism while I'm doing it. Oops. Yeah. Um, so where are we at in this episode? We're getting there. Yeah, I mean, because this is like, there's so much going on. This is a matter of love Jesus. between us. You've made my life whole. Okay, so this is basically <sighs> their um, farewell tour. So now Brianna and Roger are wandering through the w- woods with Fergus and Marsali, who, by the way, is like, now that I have another bairn on the way, because Marsali's pregnant again. Of course. <laughs> she gets knocked up real easy. Um, mm-hmm. They obviously do not know. So Roger and Brianna mentioned that they're going to say that Roger got a job in Boston. So it's a very nice scene of them saying goodbye. And Marsley says, what are your parents going to do without you? What am I going to do? Are you been with like a sister to me? And they hug each other. It's very nice, but it's a short scene. And then, um, there's this really beautiful shot of Brianna saying goodbye to presumably um, Fergus and Marsley and their 97 children. Um, and it's like a beautiful shot of her framed in the door. And then we hear Lizzie doing the same thing. And Lizzie's like, oh, she runs up to Brianna is like, I figure I should probably start saying my goodbyes, too. <laughs> They're so wonderful. And then, Ruth, you said you have notes on the scene. So I'm going to let you talk about this one because I'm already sort of getting dusty. And this is an invention of the show. This scene yeah. does not happen in the books. And it is so fucking good. All I wrote down was that it was so sad, but it was so sad because Lizzie's like, oh, OK, I guess I should start like saying my goodbyes and getting ready to go. And. Brie is like, oh, uh, we can't take you with us. And Lizzie's like, oh, you'll send for me in a few weeks. No problem. And Brie's like, oh, we won't. Um, And it just is like so awkward and sad. And it feels like she's, well, like Lizzie's finding this out like in that moment. um, And that's like so sad. And Brie's like, no, I need you to like take care of my parents the way you've taken care of me. Um, And Lizzie's like, but we've been together. We've been through so much. And you like, you're so brave. And it's all, oh, it's so, it's so nice. And it's so sad. It's really lovely. And is this really happening too? What do you mean? I mean, like, is it really happening? She's not going to see her anymore. No, Bree's going to be in the future. Unless they come back for some reason. That's it. I mean, this is a a potential series wrap on Roger and Bree. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I'm waiting. Hold on. I'm just, I, I just have to maybe be quiet for a second. <laughs> it's very sad. It's and the actress who plays Lizzie has had very little to do this season. She will, if there's any justice in the world, have more to do next season, including one of the weirdest storylines in the books. Maybe the weirdest storyline in the books. Um, so there is hopefully way more for her in the future, but this scene is so good. She just is so sad and really hurt and confused. And then sort of comes her. It's just beautiful. And it's Sophie Skelton is good in this episode, but I think that's her best scene too. Don't you think? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, Ugh. yeah, it really got me. Yeah. It's, Gosh. it's beautiful. It's a beautiful Man. scene. Oh. You're the one that saved me. I'm meant to be with you. And it's just, Oh, 
It's great. Also, there's a whole thing where her dad is supposed to be with them. And I cannot remember whether or not they found him in the show because he was also indentured. And they find him, I think, at a gathering, which they skip most of the gathering. So maybe at the end of last season. But I don't think he's around. Her dad is supposed to be around and is not. And it's going to sort of become a problem because he is. I mean, he's not a major character, but he's a big enough character that it should it should matter that he's not around. It's a little bit weird. Um so meanwhile, Clara's, you know, doing her work and getting ready to say goodbye. Everybody's getting ready to say goodbye. And then all of a sudden a wagon pulls up and who is in the wagon, but the stinkiest man from Browntown, um, and his wife who is clutching her broken wrist to her chest. Uh, uh. Yeah. You know where this is going, Janine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get, like uh, Claire trying to go through the domestic abuse questionnaire, but in her surgery in front of terrifying husband. Um, it is a great showcase for Lauren Lyle's nonverbal acting skills because she makes approximately 200 faces without saying anything. And they're all perfect. Were you watching her at all in this scene, Ruth, or was I weirdly no. fixated? No, I'm going to go back and watch it, though. She's so good. Uh, so what, like, I, I don't know, what was your takeaway from the scene? What was your impression of it? Um, what I wrote was, like, send all of these women to the future. Like, <laughs> like send them somewhere. Oh, because she talks about yeah. not wanting to get pregnant. Um, and that's, like, why, like, her husband had been mad at her. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, just, like, send them somewhere with the pill. Um, yeah. But, no, it was, like... Claire like tries to she's like oh this could happen from a fall or if someone twisted your wrist and then like sends the terrible husband out to like get some whiskey so she can have like a private conversation um and it's all like Claire does great um and then uh the wife mentioned she's like oh yeah I read uh Dr. Rawlings's pamphlet about how to not get pregnant so I haven't gotten pregnant and that's why he's pissed yeah it's um it's upsetting because she it's like well at one point she says it's going to be really hard to do the cut to cut the wood and do the cooking with one hand and claire and marsley are both like uh well maybe your husband could help and she looks at them like they're insane yeah Uh, and it just sort of gets worse from there but then she's like dr rawlings said and janine i don't know if you remember this but dr rawlings is the person who owned claire's medical kit yeah And right at the beginning of the season, she wrote up little pamphlets to give to people on the ridge being like, (gasps) Dr. Rawlings recommends. And then Fergus accidentally published one and it was in the newspaper. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. So she's like, Dr. Rawlings says that if you don't lie with your man two weeks before you get your courses, you won't get pregnant, which you know, don't do that. Get a more reliable form of birth control. Um, Claire is doing the best she can, but like <laughs> really get a more reliable form of birth control. That doesn't totally work. So, um, right as Claire is about to be like, well, um, he comes storming back in. It's like, uh, no whiskey, your husband, blah. And then he is wandering around and looks in a drawer because Claire, for the love of God, 
is very bad at being a time traveler. So bad. Or a secret medical advice giving doctor pretending What's to be a man. What's in fucking drawer? The nameplate that says Dr. Rawlings. Why is that there? Why, it's why, clearly why, why, visible, why? like visible, like yeah. very obviously she, she wanted it enough, with her, she right? Like she feels up. a connection to this person and that's more clear in the books, but he sees Dr. Rawlings and then leaves. Listen, there are 127 windows in this place. Get a goddamn safe. Mm. Just unscrew that nameplate. Keep Jesus it somewhere else. Fuck. Keep oh it somewhere. God. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Man, Billy Boyd isn't even in, the, in this episode, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I take that. Um, so he sees the nameplate. Uh, then we get a very brief scene with Ian and Roger, which was one of my very favorite scenes in the episode where, um, first Roger is like, Hey Ian, will you come with us to the stones? Because we don't want it to be Jamie and Claire. And he says, why? He says, well, Brianna is afraid that she won't be able to go through with it if they're there. Uh, and somebody needs to bring the horses back. And Ian is like, yeah, okay, I'll come. And then Roger's like, thanks, man. By the way, here, I got a little present for you. And he hands him a piece of paper. And Ian opens it. He's like, I cannot take your land. Roger's like, well, then just look after it for me and do what you want with it. Because Ian, and this is an appropriately sized gift that I think Ian is maybe underestimating the things he's done for them. Because it's not just that he's been a supportive friend and that he, you know, tried to fight Bonnet and helped rescue Brianna and he's no. been around, he's been across. Ian literally was like, hey, so it's sort of my fault that Roger got captured by the Mohawk, so why don't we trade places? I'll give up literally everything in my life so he can go home. That is... Yeah. So That's like... That's like not, that's like without interest, without interest. That's what you get. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it, this is the land that Roger got Jesus. from the governor for being hanged. Um, so it's a lot of land. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very nice little scene. Um, then we get another brief Brie and Lord John Gray scene where they talk about William. Uh, Lord John mentions that his new manservant is going to England with him. And Brianna's like, your new manservant. And he says, Ulysses. Hey, yeah. It's very yeah. specifically a Ulysses. I don't know why, but I loved it. So Ulysses is going to the it's is going to England with Lord John, which is great. Uh, also, at one point, John looks at her and says, "You really are impossible not to like." And I would like to point out that for a lot of the fandom, that's not true. But I like Sophie Skelton. <laughs> it took lot. us a little bit to warm up to her, but we like her a lot. I did. We like her. Yeah. It's a, a it's a very nice little scene. Then we also get a really beautiful shot of Brianna looking out the window as um, Jamie is sitting on a horse with Jem. It's very sweet. Uh, so, sorry, sorry about the racket. Uh, Tom is throwing things around the apartment. Hi, Tom. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> um, Tom's Tom's first appearance on the podcast um, is him going. Um, anyway, they're watching Jamie with Jem on the horse and sort of hug each other, and they're sad that they're going to be leaving. And um, then they all sit down for like a last meal, right? And Ruth, what do they eat? Oh my god, I don't. Oh oh oh. Um, so Claire serves them the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches oh. and Jamie tucks in with a knife and fork. It's very funny. It's so funny. It's like watching somebody eat pizza with a knife and fork, only way more charming. It's so cute. It's really yeah, it's like great. it's so hard to describe because you think of it and you're not like, oh, that's adorable. But watching Sam Huon eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a knife and fork. 
Aaron, I want to, who's Aaron? Janine, I want to be really clear. It's extremely delightful. Also, he says like, are you sure you're supposed to eat it? You could patch your boot with it. Because <laughs> peanut butter. Yeah. It's anyway, true. it's very cute. Yeah. So then yeah. they take off to go to what the slack is calling uh, the cock rock because it's a single. It's not the dick rocks. It's one. So it's like the cock rock. Um, Wait, a cock rocket is by itself, but a dick rocks in a circle? Dick rocks, plural, cock rock, singular. Oh. Which really, it should be a circle. I'm not sure. Because the whole point, eh, this is like energies and like there's like things associated with Very wonky. But the books imply that it is not the stones that have the power, that the stones are there to mark the places where this happens. And so a cock rock is just like, oh, so we it's found not, it. So then it's just right a rock. Here. It doesn't oh, make yeah. any sense. Also, they're supposed to be traveling on like, like feast days, like Beltane and Samhain and like, oh. and they're not, it's, a, eh, who cares? But it's a, it's a whole thing. So they take off with Ian for their thing cock and, rock. um, cock to the cock rock. To the cock rock. Meanwhile, Jamie and Claire are like, oh, the portraits. She, she drew these. She's so talented. She drew portraits. And there are like sketches of the Gerber baby, which are Jim, mm-hmm. um, on their bed in the cabin. And at one point, Jamie says, maybe she'll finally get to be an engineer, which is both a nice thought because she's going back to the future to do what she wants to do. And that's lovely. But also it feels like Dana Gabalon being like, uh, excuse me, um, have you read the books? <laughs> because it is totally <laughs> possible for Brianna to use her intelligence in the past to do all kinds of cool things instead of just constantly being in distress. <laughs> so she'll finally get to be an engineer. Baby tree. It's a baby tree. Is it? I think it's a baby tree. Um, She, Diana is, um, she she doesn't hold back when she has a a bone to pick with the show. There's apparently a choice they make this season and I'm not sure which it is, but there's a choice they make this season where apparently her response was, well, on your heads be it. So, um, (laughs) so that's, so then Brianna and Roger say goodbye to Ian. They've tied themselves together with Jim with rope. So they're all tied together. They have their three gems. Je- well, four gems because there's gem oh. like Jemmy plus three gemstones. Oh, that's cute. That's yeah, oh. cute. Is this really happening? Yeah. yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Like we're not just gonna like suddenly go? Oh, da 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 da. Boo! No. So they <laughs> they touch the cock rock and there's like a and. <laughs> Oh, God. Brianna says, thank you for everything, Ian. I love you. And he says, I love you, cousin. And they just and they touch the cock rock and then there's and the noise goes away. And Ian looks up and is like, holy fuck, and walks up to the rock and puts his hands on it and nothing happens. And John Bell is so good. He's so good. So then all of a sudden we hear a little tiny baby voice say, I woke up. Ruth, I want to know your impression of this scene. What happened? Yeah, so Jemmy wakes up. Bree and Roger are like also waking up, but not announcing it because they're adults. Um, <laughs> and then Jemmy like runs off camera towards something or someone. And Bree and Roger are like, oh no. So it seems like they have landed near either like seen someone that they were not expecting to see because they're in the wrong time or the wrong place or something. It seems that something is amiss. Yeah. Um, it's, but um, they are not where they or when they once were. Oh, cock rock yeah. ain't the same as a dick rock. It is clear 
I, Ruth, I totally agree. And this is a, this is a change from the books. So I do not know what they see, which is why I wanted to know what you thought. Um, Oh, it's fascinating. It is clear that something is wrong. And I suspect that that might actually be a wrap on the season for those two. Like, I think there's a chance we won't see them in the next episode. But season. That's a hell of a cliffhanger. Series. Not series. I mean, come on. They're the secondary leads. They're definitely coming back. Yeah, but but I don't know, man. Mustachio. It's hard to tell sometimes what's going on. It's, they know exactly what they have in Richard Rankin and Brianna is one of the, I mean, they're both main characters in the series. And Brianna needs, I mean, to be frank, I really want need, I need, I want need, uh, desire Brianna to get some more time to like really flex her muscles because she's got some, matches. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, anyway. I liked when she invented the rattlesnake syringe. So yeah, I would like to see her invent other stuff too. It's just... Like, I cannot say enough. The whole deal with Brianna in the books is that she's so smart. And here she's just like, she's just sad all the time. And that's not on Sophie Skelton. It's just they don't give Brianna anything to do other than have things happen to her. And then once in Venice Orange. They're like, because I'm listening, because I didn't expect to all of a sudden be in book six, I'm listening to the book six audiobook. And I'm in a section right now where Jamie shows up at like a, like a Cooper Smith um and no he's like i recognize that handwriting and brianna has drawn up a rifle that bends in half which is like a like a contemporary Ooh. shotgun right like a like a mm-hmm. bendy oh, yeah. whatever the Breach fuck loader. thank Breach you loader. there you go yeah. look at that janine um yeah. and was just and and jamie's like did she ask you to make her this he's, he's like no she was just sharing some ideas so she just like drew up how to make a better gun and brought it to their local cooper it was like here <laughs> this is for you which bad time traveler but also that's what brianna's like in the books not so much here Anyway, we got to keep, we got to keep moving. We're almost done. I promise. Um, so meanwhile, uh, they're digging a Back privy. At the ranch. They're digging a fucking privy. Ruth, I'm so glad you reacted that way because I was very confused by the, and there's like banter about digging the privy. At one point, Fergus is like, Voltaire said the perfect is the enemy of the good. And Jamie's like, well, Voltaire never dug a privy. Uh, banter about privies. And then there's an explosion. What? Yeah. <laughs> and then they all look in the direction of the explosion and go, ah, the still. Is it? A, oh, oh. So I like where thinking. Fergus makes all his good whiskey. Yeah. So okay. let me ask you, Janine, what would Good you do whiskey, right? if, if you were digging a privy and all of a sudden you realized there had been an explosion where your whiskey was, what would you do? I would, well, pee quickly because that's where this should go <laughs> and then run to wherever the explosion was to try and put out the fire. Well, then you, like Jamie, would be fooled by the men from Brown Town. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> The explosion happens. They all take off for the still. And then Claire and Marsley, who are helping 
just a random guy who seems very nice uh, put his shoulder back in joint. Lauren Lyle has maybe (laughs) my favorite line reading of hers of the whole series where Claire is like, so you do this and you do that and you should shove it back. And the guy screams, right? She goes, oh, so it's like it's the opposite of when you're jointing a hog. Oh, damn. (laughs) She's she's not wrong. She's like, well, badass. Yes, but we're fixing it. And she's like, okay, I got it. It's great. I'm fucking like swapping for that shit. Holy hell, dude. Fuck. I oh, one more time. There you go. Your fucking <laughs> medical knowledge has got me it's hot the best. And bothered, lady. It's the best. Good grief. Uh then all of a sudden they hear like some noise from the parlor. And uh and Claire's like, what the hell? And she runs out and uh then all hell breaks loose loose. Ruth, what was your impression of this scene? Uh so a bunch of dudes run in. It one dude is wearing like a British like red coat. That's so, Hodgepile. The, uh, he so, of yeah, so sounds like, like dudes poop. from yeah. Browntown uh, come in and like uh, they slap Marsley around a little bit. She continues to be really badass and like grabs a knife and tries to like defend herself. Um, she like shoves her kid under the bed and tells him to hide. Um, so he's just sort of watching this happen. Um, and so she's like trying to stab one of the dudes, but he slaps her and she falls to the ground unconscious. It's, a, um, it's the most brutal punch. It's like, yeah, shockingly brutal. And punches her and she is out. Yeah, she she's pregnant. pregnant. And she's Fucking out shit. cold. And also, Jermaine is under the bed, under one of the 27 beds in the surgery, and is looking out and his mother's unconscious. It's very upsetting. Anyway, Ruth, yeah, keep going. it's really sad. Um, and then they like put a bag over Claire's head and carry her away. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. What's yeah. going on? This is yeah. one episode. That's a good What's question. What's happening? So then, Fergus and um, one Jesus. or both Beardsleys, I can't remember, and Jamie show back up, and the house is all dark, and Jermaine is just standing in the yard. It's very haunting, and this isn't. Real creepy. This is a story from the books. This is specifically a book six story, but the way we don't see any of it happen because all of these chapters are from Claire's perspective. So this is an invention of the show and it's very good. So Jermaine is just standing there and Fergus comes running up and is like, Jamais. Um, pourquoi? Oh, <laughs> no, I'm out. Um, it is almost dark. Why are you standing here? He's like, Mama won't wake up. I don't know why I went southern there. Mama wants to wake up. It's like, what, Germain, what do you mean? Where is your grandmother? And then he whispers in Fergus's ear, the bad man took grandma. Oh my God, that's fucking weird. Uh, and Fergus looks at Jamie and Jamie gets the, oh, Sam Hewitt is very good. He gets this terrified look on his face and he goes running into the house screaming Claire's name, which somebody in the crowd cast was like, you'd think at this point Jamie would, would realize that screaming Claire's name was not an effective means of finding her. Um, <laughs> but he goes looking for it and she's, and she's not there. And and Fergus runs up to Marceline's like, she is alive. She is breathing. So Jamie goes, Claire! and takes off running and then we cut to a shot and this is a very mustachy shot but it worked for me i'm not gonna lie it worked for me too. it was suitably epic that it worked for me he is in his little pants and his blousey blouse holding a torch running up a hill running very fast and like not particularly gracefully just like trekking up a hill carrying this torch and janine what do you think he does with the torch when he gets to the top of the hill 
He fucking lights a goddamn fucking fiery goddamn he, fucking cross he, yes, to make sure everybody does. fucking knows he, his fucking love of his life is not fucking there. I'm fucking angry about all this. That <laughs> this is, is correct. <laughs> it's Jamie was only going to light the fiery cross when it was time to go to war. But fuck guess what hell. time it is, motherfuckers. War time. Fuck, 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 fuck. So that's where we leave the episode. Jesus Christ. And this? at this point, I lean over to you and I go, hey, Janine, that's the fiery cross. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so that was Journey Cake. As penned Fucking, by Diana Gabaldon. Ruth. There was, no, there was no Johnny inside of that. Any of that. No. Any of that. No. Ruth. Fucking. We'll start with, um, we'll start with costumes. <laughs> on, on a scale of. I feel like you have to just have like a moment of silence for all of that. Good a commercial God. featuring this, because Journey Cake. So I'm thinking baked goods. A commercial featuring the Pillsbury Doughboy. Two. The most high profile Hallmark Christmas movie of the year. Where obviously the protagonist is a baker who falls in love with the person who has a store next door who is also a baker and he's very handsome and he's French so it's a patisserie and she's just doing cupcakes and so then there's a rivalry but then obviously they fall in love and it's, and then she's like well now we'll have a bakery together but really she's just going to raise your kids. Um, on that scale where does this episode fall? Okay. So um, I'm going to give this a The Princess Switch oh! starring Vanessa Hudgens. Um, <laughs> a, uh, mostly because uh, you talked a lot about Hallmark movies and bakeries. Um, and I actually like the costumes in this a lot. But I my concern, because I have this, my concern in The Princess Switch is that to delineate that she's from Chicago, Vanessa Hudgens just wears a baseball cap that says Chicago. Not a White Sox hat. No. Not a Cubs hat. Not, not really? any of our sports teams. Just Chicago. That would on never it. happen. So that's how you know. Yeah, that, exactly. that means she's definitely from Ohio. Yeah. So my beef with the costumes here uh, was like, did they make some future clothes for Brie and Roger? Was that just not? Because like they did not. We saw the Batman suit at the beginning and Claire went to such great lengths to have like the right outfit that would like meet her needs, but also be period appropriate for when she went back. Um, and then like they're just going to send Brie out in like a like she doesn't have a bra. She just has like corsets and Ruth, stuff. I'm so glad that you brought this up because this isn't in the books thing that I wanted to talk about that I was going to leave for when we do the in the books chat because we've gone over. But um, in the banks, they take longer to prepare to leave. And part of their preparation is, first of all, they make a bunch of future appropriate clothes for Brianna and Roger and Jemmy. And obviously they're still going to look weird, right? Because they're homespun. But, but at least like more better less weird it's gonna be less like who won who won Cologne? it's gonna be less claire assaulting just random motorists on the street because they'll like brianna will be wearing something that they like maybe maybe roger could get away with what he's wearing maybe but brianna not at all so that is one thing the other thing that happens that i think is very important that they're not addressing is that Claire forges a birth certificate for Jeb. And uh, this is like that a also mild seems spoiler. Pretty important. But in the books, they technically have two kids when they go back. 
because um, they go back at the end of book six and there's another kid. Also, their motivation for going back is much more heightened. It's not, oh, we figured out Jem can travel. We should probably go. It's like um, they absolutely have to. It's not a there's question. Something there's, there's something, something else going, going on. on. Yeah. Um, and there's another kid. Uh, her name is Amanda. I sort of doubt that we will ever meet Amanda. So I don't feel super bad spoiling it for you but it is a mild spoiler um in the books they have two kids at this point um so claire forges birth certificates for both kids so that they have a record of them being born which seems like it would be useful because otherwise you just have two mystery children <laughs> can you imagine you should like they just show up in whatever year it would be, I mean, it's been several years, so probably like 1972 or something, right? And you just have a kid. Can you imagine that conversation when you go to like the place where you get births? Because you'd be like, so listen, we've been out in the middle of the woods. For yeah, a long like time. we've been camping for the we last yeah, three years. They're going to look like anti vaxxers. <laughs> 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 we, we made 107, uh, 127 windows on our own, um, <laughs> built our own latrine, um, and we, we had, had a birth certificate, but we left it under one of the ninety four beds. And <laughs> yeah, you know, and we just re- we're ready to come back. And can you just give this to us, please? Yeah. So, so Ruth, that is a very good point. Um, it and it and it bugged me a little bit, and I'm very glad you brought it up. I'm so glad you thought of it because it's so weird. Claire takes so much trouble to make the bat suit, and then Brianna's like, "Well, I don't know. Let's go back to the 70s." Here we well, go. And like they they showed that suit in the opening mm-hmm. sequence. Like you could yeah. just not. Yeah, I think, and that's that's probably why it's like a little jarring too, because they're like they went they they made a point of saying, "Here's time traveling costuming well, kind of concepts." And you know what is occurring to me right? now brianna has pants she wears them all the time Mm -hmm. like she has a costume that's like pants and a vest that would look way i mean it still would look oldie timesy but it looks way more contemporary than her gown her fucking like traveling gown yeah that's ruth i'm so glad you asked about that okay um so next is the doing it scale um let's see Dining Al Fresco. I mean, it is just the one sex scene, but yeah, that's a thwarp. Um, On a scale from the scene in the animated Lady and the Tramp where uh, they push the meatball at each other and then smooch with the spaghetti noodle, Dining Al Fresco, to uh, Showgirls in the pool. (laughs) Where does this fall? Um... Honestly, this is like straight like Pornhub for me, but I will give this a um, a look who's talking because of the sperm scene. Oh, <laughs> a plus. Ooh, Ruth, oh. you're good at this game. That's great. Ooh. Okay, so the last is the getting up to get a drink scale. So on the low end, um, let's see. This one is always tricky because there are multiple interpretations of getting up to get a drink, right? Like either, wow, this is incredibly intense. I need a drink or, oh, I'm so riveted. I can't get a drink. So I leave it up to your interpretation. But on the low end, let's say Ken Burns baseball, a classic. (laughs) And on the high end, say you're digging a privy. And your whiskey still has just exploded. (laughs) So you need to sprint toward the whiskey. 
where does it fall? Um, I can't think of an appropriate movie or TV show for this. That's okay. Probably like a like an SVU. It's compelling. I want to keep watching it. Um, but I did pause it because I watched it on my lunch break and Jimmy was making some soup and the soup was ready. So I paused it to go get my soup. Okay. More important question. What kind of soup and how did it pair with your jello? Um, it was broccoli cheddar. Uh, it was great. Um, I did not eat it with my jello because it was like the middle of the workday and lunch and I I'm not at the point yet where I'm eating tequila jello at lunch, but like, <laughs> give me another month of this and who knows? No, I put booze in my coffee this morning. Granted, it was my second cup of coffee and it was, and I don't drink a ton of coffee. So it was like noon, but I did for real put Irish cream in my coffee at noon. I've this been is, having Bailey's coffee on the weekends. It's great. This has been, this is, this has been the week where I started, um, assessing when is 5 p.m. really <laughs> you know what janine i have more than one flask sometime this week i'm gonna fill both my flasks and we are gonna take a socially distanced walk around the neighborhood and i'll toss you my flask one of those flasks i have a flask too let's just Great. go for this walk and we're, like we're doing it i don't we're even gonna a do flask. a socially I'll bring distance. a goddamn fucking screw bottle screw top bottle of wine i'll drink some that <laughs> Let's uh, just see each other in person. Uh, I ordered <laughs> delivery wine yesterday and I was like, mm, Tom, pick a bottle of rosé. And he was like, great, come look. So I'm looking at it and there was, there was one that was called White Girl Rosé. I was like, you know what? I'm susceptible to branding. You have to get that one. You, I'm just going to embrace it. Anyway, Ruth, thank you so much for guesting. We will need oh, to have you, you back. Me. Uh, you are a delight, unsurprisingly. Um, I don't suppose you happen to have your limerick handy. God, oh uh, my God. I, that might be lost forever to the chat. Well, oh. then we'll find it. I can revisit. I'll find it. It's a okay. legendary limerick. <sighs> but, you know, if it just exists in that moment of time, that makes it that much more special. Yeah, but was such it a needs to be recorded experience. for posterity. It's like Amelia's song. I got <laughs> I got a stern, so I got a stern Slack message from Amelia this week that was like, hey, uh, start taking credit for those lyrics. <laughs> so it was me <laughs> no. and Amelia's song. But still, it's mostly <laughs> Amelia. Uh, it was Amelia a it was like a lovely, very friendly friend message being like. Allison, stop pretending I'm the only one who wrote that song. And it was very sweet of her. However, Alex, it was still Allison, you, mostly you're her. the ghostwriter of all of our creativity. Ghostwriter. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If I made that joke when Julie was on, precisely, z well, Janine still would have laughed. But Julie predates ghostwriter so i'm glad it was you ruth i loved ghostwriter <laughs> too. i loved it so much but you know there's a remake and i haven't watched it because apparently it's not very good but also mm -hmm. i'm not the target audience anymore you know did you ever watch True. that weird like movie or show that was like it was trying to remake ghostwriter but it wasn't ghostwriter it was like a cobra ford movie no where the cobra turned into a shelby it was fucking weird what? I don't know. It was like a snake movie. I don't know. Snakes don't know. are dicks. We're good. So uh, <laughs> we want to thank you for listening to the show. I especially want to thank Ruth McCormick for coming and hanging out. It was amazing. Um, I want to say a hearty fuck you to Julie Stern. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just no. Love you and Julie. We'll see you next week. Ruth, you'll have to come on and talk to us about the finale. We'll do whether it's a bonus episode or something. I want to now I really want to know. That's OK. Have you seen the video of the little girl singing the song about buttholes
Oh, hell no. yeah. Okay. What is this? I will put me. it, it somewhere. I will, but I just, it was really want to know that made me start. There's this little girl and she's got a guitar and she's singing a song that goes, what's inside your butthole? I really want to know what's inside your butthole. I really want to know. It's the best. It's so good. Anyway, poop. It's great. Poop. That's inside your bubble. It's, it's so good. Um, so thank you to Ruth. You'll have to come back and talk to us about the finale. Fuck you to Julie. Go to hell. Nobody cares about you. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> you, if you like the show, can find us on Twitter at Podlandercast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podlandercast. You can find us on Patreon where you can support the show for a dollar and get access to some things. If you join at the $3 level, you get access to our amazing Slack, which Ruth is on. Ruth, how do you feel about the Slack? I love the Slack, although I don't check it as frequently as I would like to that is a terrible endorsement what the fuck is wrong with you but it's it's like it's full of randomness i didn't realize how many channels that existed like oh there are a bazillion channels like when there are I channels i don't know now, there's a channel that's just like about ghosts that i didn't know yeah. existed until like four well, days ago and i was sharing pictures of jasper on random and they're like this seems like this should go in this particular channel because this is where we share pets and, I, and then i looked it up i was like oh no this is where you share pets my bad yeah, it's the best it's so cool anyway um it's also where you can find our crowdcasts where you could watch julie and i watch the episode which seems like it shouldn't be fun but really is it's one of my favorite days of the week among many other things uh that's at patreon.com slash podlinder drunk cast we want to thank all of our patrons who make it possible for us to do the show because it's not super cheap um but we especially want to thank dr j Zena perez stella welch misty ojepi kayla reagan amanda newton jen lander drunklin trish mccrary Lori mcguire katie kirshner beth luck maureen mccurden um, Maureen, if I said your last name wrong, let me know. Ashley, Ashley sent me the pronunciation. Oh, Ashley, if I get this wrong, let me know. But I'm going to try Tigason. Tell me if I did that wrong. Um, Kristen, uh, Rochelle Lefevre, the other Janine, one of my new favorites. What's up? John Samoski, Amy Gustafson, Mary the Falling Statue, Tori, Shannon Duffy, Alicia Glynn, Liz Peniston, <laughs> Philip Nako, Heather Moore, Amanda Sims, I'm sorry, Amanda Smizm, Whitney Harrington, Chrissy Shively, Maria, Emma Lofold, Samantha Smith, Jenna Polkowski, Rachel Townsend, Steph Peterson, Tara Lucchino, Catherine Marshall Eastman, Chantel Salters, Mary Lumpkin, Crystal Nanavati, Ann Gibson, Ruth McCormick. What's up, Kara hey. Marlowe, Flourish Root, Friday Peyton, Kathleen Moniz, Hi Mom, Hi Heather Robbins, Viv Pickles, aka Laura, and our Slack Den Mom, Kiki. The, the wise. Uh, we want to thank you all so much for your support. We will be back next week to talk about the finale. We are also, I'm not saying what we're doing, but we are not going away during what we are calling without Landor because Droughtlander is a terrible term. Uh, so I oh, I can't remember who coined it but somebody in the slack said without lander which is what we're gonna so during without lander we are gonna stick around uh we have our very next project lined up we will tell you about it at a future time we're gonna do our best we're gonna do our best we've made promises before allison i want to just you know what quarantine times ass. during the quarantine ass. at least we're gonna kill oh, it we're fucking motivated and you know I what ruth, tell you. <laughs> ruth doesn't know what we're doing but ruth is gonna be back for first quarantine project Actually, I will come like back this. for it. I'm going to tell like I'm going to tell her what it is once we stop recording. Okay. Um, she will be back among other people. It's going to be the best. It's going to be really cool. Anyway, we are motivated. This is a, good, a good one. Well, yeah. you know what? Frankly, I need social interaction. I mean, this is why I'm just like, just tell me when you want to go for a walk. I'll buy a bottle of wine and I'll unscrew it and drink it next to you. 
You just put it, you know what? We don't want to get arrested. Put it in a, a coffee mug or something. Cops don't do shit up here, man. Ruth, they don't arrest anybody. Ruth, ride your bike up here. We'll take a socially distanced walk. Great. Cops. We're going to do that. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.